and welcome to another episode of Once Upon a Nightmare. I am your host, Lorraine Purden, and I'm here to discuss the fictional horrors of the world, but you know me, sometimes they might be real. I love a film with a real-life element to it, and this one is no different, although the real-life element to it is very slight. In 1962, the town of Centralia in Pennsylvania, a town known for mining, was preparing for Memorial Day. The city council decided they wanted to tidy the place up, give it a wee spruce, and they did this by wanting to clean the local landfill. Now, the method they used for this was to set the area on fire. This turned out to be a massive mistake, as it didn't only burn the landfill, but it also ignited a fire underneath the town, burning the coal. And as a result, the town became uninhabitable. The fire was so big that all the residents had to relocate. The town of Centralia was once a really busy little place and the shops, the residents and the economical business was all thriving and there was about 1,400 people there. And I've looked at some numbers and apparently in 2020, there was about 14 people there, but now that has dwindled to just four. And to this day, apparently that fire still burns. But less of that and more about the film. This is Silent Hill. Honey, sometimes when you go to sleep, you go on a little walk. And sometimes you talk about a place. I don't remember. That's why we're going to go there. So you can remember. Do you know what's going on here? This place is completely cut off. Only the dark one opens and closes the door to Silent Hill. Hey! Where is she? I'm trying to find my wife. She looks exactly like Sharon. Why? Rose, come on! Hey! Rose, hurry! It's coming! the darkness of hell. It's okay, baby. Mommy's coming. franchise for Silent Hill, it's pretty massive, but that's mainly because of the games. Me not being a gamer at all knows diddly squat about the goings-on of Silent Hill, but I did have a wee Google. 
That's like my best friend when it comes to things like this. And there are apparently 17 games. I had no idea. The creator was Kichiro Toyama. And he released the first Silent Hill game in 1999. And while there are 17 games, eight of them are the main ones with nine spin-offs. Do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? The games are survival horror, which means you play the game with as little supplies as possible while following the story. And apparently the maker of the game has announced that he is planning to relaunch the franchise. And the director of this film has apparently said that he's written another film for the franchise. So just to let you know, some of the stuff about the games that I mentioned isn't from me, as you can probably tell. So a guy on Twitter, JP Creative Design, he, I put a tweet out and he reached out to say, yes, I know a bit about the games. And so we had a few messages so he was really helpful. To be honest, I didn't understand a lot of it. So if it comes out wrong, that's on me. Because from what he wrote, he looks like he knows his stuff. But I don't. So I probably, <laughs> if it's wrong, that's me. But I'm not sure, though, with a film like this, and it's the same with a book, I suppose, does knowing so much about it kind of hinder the viewing pleasure? Because obviously, there's things from what he's told me about the games are very different in the film. And I guess that's the same time sometimes with a book, they leave out really important characters or big changes or something. So maybe going in blind is kind of better for me because I don't know anything about the games. So I don't know if they're doing anything wrong. But when you hear me mention anything about the games, if I get it wrong, it's because I've misunderstood what this lad has told me. But my husband does always try to talk to me about games and I don't know what it is, but as soon as someone starts talking about games, I just switch off. It's like when I try and talk to my husband about Sex in the City. It goes both ways. So the movie was released in 2006. It was directed by Christopher Gaines and written by Roger Avery. It stars Radha Mitchell as Rose De Silva. She is mother to Sharon, played by Jodel Furland. And after hearing her adopted daughter repeatedly bring up a place known as Silent Hill, which is in Virginia, while sleepwalking, she decides to take her there in a bid to find answers as to why this place haunts her child's dreams so much. This movie did take quite a while to get going in the sense of it actually being made and released. Gaines took about five years trying to get Kenoma to let him make this film. They are actually the company that developed and published Silent Hill. They saw a short film and they were so impressed that they then allowed the project to go ahead. But they did bring on Roger Avery as a writer to help with the script, but this was simply due to limited English by Gaines. It was shot in Ontario, Canada, and if you don't really like this film, you really have to appreciate the cinematography, and that is by Dan Lauston and production designer Carol Speer, Spire. The visuals, honestly, they are stunning, and the creatures, they certainly have an impact, and they are what nightmares are made of. I was really shocked watching this that somebody actually was able to come up with all this in their head. God knows what they think about most of the time. And also the area. I love the ambiance, the grey, the ash. It's a place I would personally love to see, to experience before the darkness. Um, I myself really love gloomy, foggy, grey day weather. I'm very much an autumnal winter person. So this was totally my vibe. Every shot is so detailed, offers plenty to look at. And you can tell that this is really a passion project from Gaines. I mean, it really shines through how much he went into this film. 
And it really reminded me a bit of uh, a name I'm going to butcher, but Guillermo de Toro. It's kind of got that vibe about it. But I, I loved looking at it. And I think sometimes that might have distracted me a bit because I was so impressed by everything that was going around. I did have to watch this a couple of times to make sure that I picked up on everything. But I probably still miss things because you know yourself, you can watch a film over and over again and you find something new every time. And that even happens with me with Science of the Lambs and how many times have I seen that film? Also accompanying it is the soundtrack, which is really amazing, really haunting, really fits well. And that is composed by an Akira Yamaokai and a Jeff Dana. So I really do apologize for the butchering of every name within this film. So pretty much from the offset, we are thrown into the darkness of this film. Not the real darkness that we're going to meet a bit later, but it's it's not pleasant. You know, you're a bit uncomfortable. A child is sleepwalking and almost falls to her death off of a cliff. Luckily, the mother is there just in time to save her. And, you know, we're soon then thrusted into the one of the most terrifying towns that seems to have no way out. We are properly introduced to Rose, who is the mother, and she is she comes across as a very manic, extremely unhinged person who wants to bring her daughter to this unknown place. She's running from the police at one point. She's running from her partner, Christopher, who's played by Sean Bean. He has real concerns. And it's also a bit unsettling as she drives to this place because you have Sharon in the back of the car and she's kind of not really sure what's going on. And plus, you know, the fact that her husband thinks that she's a bit out of line for what she's doing and she disagrees. And the whole setting's just really eerie. Like the weather, like I said, it's very grim, it's gray, becomes nighttime, it's very isolated in the middle of nowhere. And you also really feel for this kid. But at the same time, you do feel like the mother has her best interest at heart, but she's got no idea what she's going into. And it just seems like a very impulsive trip. As they're going there, we do meet a policewoman who does have quite a big part in this film, and that is Sybil, and she's played by Laurie Holden. You may know her from, I think she played Andrea in The Walking Dead. And she comes across them both, and she can sense that there's something not right here, and she decides to follow them because she kind of just gets a bit brushed off. And as she does that thing that we see in lots of films, she stops, she goes to go, and then Rose speeds off, and... This behavior is just not rational. She's like a woman obsessed and you just really feel it's more for her at times rather than Sharon. Even when she gets to Silent Hill, she goes crashing through these sealed gates, which is really dangerous. And it really shows Sharon, you know, in a really terrified state. But this doesn't stop her. She still goes. And obviously she's driving out of control. She's being chased. She's crashed through gates. It's foggy as hell. You can't see shit. And she awakes to just simply find herself in the car alone and her daughter is gone. Now, Silent Hill itself is kind of takes it up a notch with the fog because you have this weird like ash flowing down all the time. You can't see the sky. And sometimes it's actually quite hard to see ahead. And it's very different to what the world we know today. Yes, we have bad fog, but this is a place you just don't feel you should be there. And the town is abandoned. People have mentioned don't go there. And you couldn't live there, so you think. But she's just obviously now got to go fully in because she can't see her daughter. But you think that she's seen her. As she goes deeper in, you think that she's seen her because there's a little girl that does look like her kid, but she doesn't seem to want to speak to her mother. She just keeps running. 
And we soon find out later on that this actually isn't Sharon. And this is a another little girl that looks exactly like Sharon called Elisa, who is played by the same actress. And she has lured them there into like the dark world, this other world. And this is when it turns into a place that shows us all these amazing characters that have been created, these monsters, this really dark other world. As Rose is lured even more underground into the darkness, you find that you're in a place that you wouldn't want to be even if you weren't about to come across some of these creatures that she is. She doesn't have any light. The sirens have gone and that is obviously your cue, which you later find out, is when the darkness is coming. It's very dark. It's very dirty. It's very isolated. She's in what looks like some sort of basement and the town has been shut down for a reason and you're supposed to stay out. But obviously, if your kid is gone wandering in, you're going to go look. So the real indication that we get that she's really in this other world is when when she's gone down to this basement, we see a body attached to a fence and you see that their eyes are open. So you presume, obviously, that means they're still alive. And then these weird baby-esque creatures come towards them. And when they're trying to claw at her, when she touches them, they go on fire and she's screaming, and then it just vanishes. And she wakes up to a jukebox playing Johnny Cash's Ring and Fire. And and it's I suppose it's really confusing if you don't know the games because you don't know what you're looking at. And you're also kind of wondering, is this something that she's imagining it or is it actually real? Is this actually happening when the darkness comes? And as she goes outside again and tries to run off, the road that she just drove over is now a cliff the road is just gone. So you're kind of torn between this world that is it real, is it not? Is she imagining it? Is she tripping basically? But we then meet another person and that is this witch looking character, the way she moves, the the look of her and everything. She just comes across like some little old lady witch and she is called Dahlia and she is played by a Deborah Cara Unger and she mentions her child, and this is Elisa. So this is the other girl that we see running around the place. Now, Elisa was an illegitimate child. No one knew who her father was. And this kind of went against what the town's beliefs were, especially when it came to religion. And they didn't want such a person in their place. They were against this. So Dahlia was part of a cult, which I am going to go into in a bit. And her daughter was extremely mistreated by this cult church, whatever you want to call it. I call it a cult. And she's then killed by said cult. The film makes you feel sorry for Dahlia. She looks like this grieving mother, someone we should feel for because of the terrible things that have happened to her daughter. But I have recently found out that in the game, she's not such a caring mother, but a woman who uses her daughter as a way of getting what she wants as a way of becoming more powerful within this cult. In the game, she is straight up evil without really explaining why until it's too late. And in the game, you do her bidding without even realizing it. So she's the reason that Silent Hill is the way it is. But in the in the film, it looks like she's just been worn down by this other cult leader within the film. And that is a woman called Christabella, played by Alice Cringe. And she happens to also be Dahlia's sister. And Christabella is gunning for Elisa and really needs to cleanse her because obviously she's this evil thing. She hasn't got a dad and 
you know, she's got certain abilities. So Dahlia does let them take her daughter, but I'll be honest with you, I don't think she had much of a choice. I think had she tried to stop it, they would have taken her anyway. She does eventually manage to call the police, but it's too late. So when they get there, Alicia is severely burnt. And as we'll see throughout the film, the answer to everything when it comes to Christabella is burn them. Burn them. If you don't fall in line, burn them. Don't agree with what you're doing, burning. It's just burn it. She wants to burn everyone to the ground. And this incident would, would burn the whole town. So they used this contraption to burn Elisa and it collapsed. So that was the reason this town ended up the way it was. But while she goes through this horrific ordeal, she does actually, she does actually survive. And she is visited by this kind of devil girl, which is uh, looks like Elisa. And she wants to get revenge. And this form of evil takes over her body. But the little bit of innocence, it's all very confusing. The little bit of innocence that was left within Elisa becomes Sharon, who is then a baby who is left at an orphanage and is adopted by Rose and Chris. So there's a lot of... Uh, intertwining between these two worlds but while we do feel sorry for Dahlia within this film as I mentioned in the game she was really horrible and apparently she had a really twisted kind of love for her she would lock her daughter in the attic and she feels like she's doing all this to save her she believes what she's doing will force her daughter to pray because apparently she's not really into her mother's religious ways cult views should I say and her mother really wants her to accept them, but she's kind of not having it. And Dahlia even had a ritual to impregnate her daughter to summon the ancient god of the town. And this is what led to the accidental fire, which meant Alicia was burned and ended up in the hospital. And she was then kind of under the care of another cult member, which was Dr. Michael Kaufman. And to the outside world, Alicia had died, but she was simply hidden away. And her mother along with this doctor, had kind of full control over what they were doing with her. And she was also looked after by a nurse, Elisa Garland, who does appear in the film. So Elisa is tortured by her mother while in this state, apparently, for another seven years. And Elisa was thought to be a witch who, you know, I, I suppose it's not surprising when that's who your mother is. Like, she was the priestess of a cult known as the Order. And, you know, it's not exactly something you want to sign up for, but... Elisa had certain abilities, telekinesis, premonition, astral projection. And obviously, because of all this, and we see in the film, she is severely bullied at school. This is Midwich Elementary School. She does have one friend, which is Claudia Wolf, who has also experienced abuse from her own father and family, who is also members of the order. So Claudia and Alyssa were on the same page of kind of how they felt about life in Silent Hill. Alicia kind of saw her as like a little sister and they would often play together. Like with Elisa, she really just didn't stand a chance. Like when you look at it, it's basically one of the worst cases of child abuse that you can come across. Every turn was met with someone wanting to do something to her. And you can understand why Elisa is now this person. Like she owes nobody anything you know, she just wanted a life of peace, a peaceful world, and she got the complete opposite. And, you know, it's actually just a really sad film about child abuse. And it's really hard to watch in that respect because, you know, Sharon has ended up with this nice family and they've given her this nice life. And Alyssa doesn't have that. 
So we get back to Rose, who has obviously been through it a little bit with uh, her experience of the sirens going off. And she does eventually do the right thing and call her husband, you know, in a bit of a panic. But also we get to see Officer Sybil again. She does catch up with her on the outskirts. And rightly so. She's like, where's your kid? And Rose doesn't give her kind of the answer she wants. And she arrests her. And I don't blame her. But, you know, she's kind of just had a really strange experience. So she's probably trying to, like, get her own head around it. But she's put in handcuffs. And obviously, it's kind of a frustrating, a frustrating thing because you can understand why Sybil's doing it. But at the same time, they're not in a good place. Like, Sybil gets to experience some of the strangeness that is Silent Hill. She's also in the Silent Hill that has the ash. She's in the Silent Hill that is basically a different place to what others will see, which I'll explain in a second. And she sees this person coming towards her that looks like an armless, it's an armless man. And it he apparently makes an appearance in the sequel and, but he looks like more like his arms. He does have arms, but it's kind of like they're in his body and the skin wraps over them and he's walking towards her. And he does look human-esque, but a bit distorted. And she shoots him and this weird acid stuff comes off. And while this is all going on, Rose does manage to go. And Sybil also has the issue that the, the road is gone. So she's in that place. But what is going on, which confuses uh, the situation even more, is Christopher has now come to Silent Hill and he's actually driving through Silent Hill with a police officer known as Thomas Gucci, who was played by Kim Coates. And it just simply looks like the town is abandoned, like the weather just looks like normal weather. And he goes on to explain what happened back in 1974, November 1974. And the town was burning due to the coal fire. People were evacuated. He discusses how people died and that they couldn't find some of the bodies. Some of them were good people and he feels some deserved it. So are the ones that deserved it, are they the ones being tortured in the other world? Because, because we see this one particular scene with a character called Colin. Now, Colin was the Midwich Elementary School uh, janitor and he was also a paedophile. So this is another person that would do something to Alyssa. So she was bullied a lot. We see she, uh, Rose find out about the bullying when she gets into one of the classrooms. And Alyssa would go and hide in the toilet and he would molest her when she was there. So when we go into the toilets, Rose goes into the toilets because these kind of weird guys, minor guys come running around. So she kind of hides. She finds Colin in a cubicle and he's all barbed wired up. And this is basically what was done to him after what he did. After he took advantage of this child who was alone and vulnerable and his soul was then condemned by Elisa. So this is one of the people that were bad. So are they now in this world, this other world? And Colin becomes alive in the other world. And when this happens, it's truly, truly disturbing. So when we first see him with Rose, he's obviously dead. But in this other place, he wishes he was dead. He's pulling himself along on the stomach. His feet are like pulled kind of upwards to his head with wire I mean, this is this scene is so vile. It's so hard to watch. And we see these other beings that are being tormented by these bugs while they're in chains as 
Rose tries to like flee Colin and like the whole room changes with bugs and it's it's just like terrifying to see and Colin was tortured and killed by Lisa and she used her powers to put him in that bathroom stall which we later find out is the one that he molested her in so he is in this other world being tortured what looks like probably for eternity for his sins and Rose is witnessing all this but we also see that in the same place, Christopher and the officer are looking for her. They're in the same place, but she's in the other world, which is basically hell, while they're in the real world, which I suppose is their own version of hell because Christopher can't find his family. But I think Rose wins here with when it, when it comes to what hell is worse. But she's not entirely alone because we've got Sybil there and Sybil does catch up with her. With Sybil and Rose, they definitely have set up that dynamic to make one appear more Mel-esque of a character than the other. Sybil is definitely there to give off that vibe. She's a badass. She plays a big part the way they cut her hair. I know a hairstyle shouldn't matter, but if you see her, they have kind of like, for use of a better term, kind of made her look more masculine. And she's kind of the one that's got it together. But we then see that Rose, it starts to turn it a little bit because Rose has experienced a few things now. So she's experienced the, the weird babies. She's experienced... Colin and now they're both going to experience this guy known as Pyramid Head and he brings a whole new meaning to the word knife. What's his name? That's not a knife, this is a knife. Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> he would be very impressed. So Colin was portrayed by a Robert Campanella and he also plays Pyramid Head and when we meet this new guy, Pyramid Head, Rose is completely lost at this stage. And it's really quite sad, though, because Christopher is like, I can feel her. I can smell her. You know, he's almost in the same place where she is, but in this other world. And Rose is kind of losing it. She can't stand up. But then Sybil back and she pulls her to safety, if only for a minute. But this is where the kind of switch happens because Pyramid Head attacks them both. They do manage to barricade themselves in, but Pyramid Head is... He's shaped like that of a human, but with a really large, extremely heavy looking pyramid shape on his head while carrying. I mean, when I say a big knife, I'm talking, it's probably the same height as me. It looks like it's about 5'2". And you also wonder, how is he How is he able to use this? Well, he does, as he tries to kill Sybil and Rose. And he does this by like thrusting it through this door that they've protected themselves to. And his clothes looks like he basically works at a butcher's. And the attack on Sybil and Rose by him is, you know, it, it's scary because as the knife goes in, it reaches the whole room. This isn't a big room and he's moving it from side to side. And then, of course, there's these bugs again that come back that go through the gap that he's made and she's shooting him and it's not really having an impact. And then it just kind of all disappears. And in the film, apparently he looks a bit different than the games. How do we look? At the head and it seems like he's more pointy in the films and the director said that um his head is a basin and not a triangle at all because apparently it was impossible to make an authentic replica of the shape and actually have a real person under it which i can kind of understand because it did look even what they were wearing it looked really uncomfortable so sybil has now kind of like realized that all is not well and Rose is kind of pulling it together a bit while Sybil has her little freak out. But to be honest with you, can you blame her? 
Now, all going on in the other world, Christopher's like, something's not right, me or me. I'm going to go and do a bit of research on my own. And the cops really start trying to brush him off. They don't really want him going looking and finding out anymore about what's going on. And while all this is going on, Rose and Sybil go into a hotel and we meet another character and that is Anna and she's played by Tanya Allen. Now she's a bit weird and she's like throwing rocks at Dahlia and they, they're in this hotel and they're rambling about witches and how the town would burn them to keep the place pure. Remember I said to you how burning seems to be the thing. And then this room 111 comes up and they enter it and it's kind of like this secret cult sacrificial chamber thing and it's it's not a hotel room. It's a massive room that seems to go on for miles and miles. But the darkness soon comes back. And now this is when it kind of takes a bit of a different turn because we see quite a lot of people. Now, when this happens, there's a church. And apparently the church is like the safe place to go. And it's one of those frustrating moments because Rose just won't hurry up. She wants to ask questions when all this is going, which is really weird because she's experienced the bad world. So you'd think that she'd be wanting to get in. But in her defense, is the church another bad place? Well, yeah. So if you remember, I said Gucci spoke of how there were bodies that were never found. And this is because they were never dead. These followers are still there. And when the darkness comes, they take refuge. And they also believe, though, that the outside world has been the victim of an apocalypse. And they have been saved. And they're here in the church. And Christabella is here to protect them. But here, Anna doesn't make it, and it's oh, it's so brutal, this death, because basically Pyramid Head comes out of nowhere, and he rips off her clothes, but then he literally rips off her skin and then just throws it. It's really brutal. It's quite quick, but my God, it's brutal. That must have been painful. Now, Christabella runs this church cult, and it is a cult known as the Brethren. Brethren. This cult is the reason for the horror of what Silent Hill has now become. The cult felt it was their duty to cleanse the town of witches by an immolation ritual. And they did this to a young girl in 1974. And that is Elisa. And their actions gave her like so much hate that she condemned them to this life, this different dimension of Silent Hill, which guarantees a life of hell. And this has been going on for 30 years. And as I mentioned to you, you know, everyone did shit to Elisa and she's just basically had enough. Now, Christabella is someone that gives off a bad vibe from the very start. When you meet these kind of characters, they are way too calm, which she is, and you never feel easy around them. I don't like when people bow to one person as much as they do here, how she says what can and can't be done. No one does any good with that amount of power. And she, appear, she appears all helpful and concerned to Rose and Sybil. But you know it's not real. And they kind of like, I wish you well. Like, what she says, she goes, I will praise you, Rose, but I will not expect you and your friend to return when they're going off to look for Sharon. And she kind of sends them in the direction. Now, again, while all this is going on in the other world, Christopher's been digging more. Gucci's not happy. And he's basically like, go home or go to jail. But they do have a conversation with him that kind of gives us the whole the whole background, I suppose, of Elisa being carried out of that burning building when she got, when they were trying to kill her. And he was the cop that brought her out. So he's a lot more involved than we think. And we do feel like he was hiding something. And he was. But we know that he's kind of close to it, but we didn't think he'd be that close to it. But while Christabella was willing to help them, that soon turns when she sees a locket with a picture of Sharon in it that belongs to Rose. And they 
attack them, but Rose gets away thanks to Sybil sacrificing herself, and she's then beaten to death. So we think. And those soldiers that we saw earlier on, those kind of like mine people, they're soldier mine folk, they're soldiers of Christabella. And um they kind of dress, they've got like goggles on, helmets, kind of cover from head to toe, how you would expect to see a miner. And they have, I didn't know this, but they have this canary with them when we first see them and it makes a noise. And when it makes noise, it means get out of there. And they know that the dimensions are going to be changing. And apparently they used to use um, a canary as a technique by actual miners when they used to detect when a dangerous gas was present and this gas could kill them. So if it killed the bird first, then they knew that they had to get out because obviously the bird is a lot smaller. Rose does escape, if you can call it that, and she goes like into the what looks like the depths of hell as she goes down this lift because she ends up in a hospital ward, which is Brookhaven Hospital. And then we see some of the most bizarre looking nurses. Like they've got their faces covered. They're dressed in these very kind of dirty white short low cut dresses. And when they see the light, they move in kind of a really weird rigid way. Their bodies kind of twist and turn every step. And they've got like what looks like a scalpel in their hand. But then they just kind of start cutting each other up. But the, the way they carry on, it's actually really good for Rose because it means that she can get away. But I'll be honest after this. It's one of the most, I found it a really difficult scene to watch because she meets Alyssa in that hospital and she tells her everything. She kind of explains everything. And when you see this little girl in a room full of adults who allow her to be dragged away, kicking and screaming and tied to this thing, I, I hate that scene. I hate it. It's It's really hard to watch. But I just have to say that the actress that plays... Alyssa and Sharon, Jodel Furland. I mean, she must have been about 11 when this was being filmed. And especially this scene here where she's explaining it all from, like, it's like the elder Alyssa is in the hospital bed. And this young one, she just commands that scene. And I'll be honest with you, she scares the hell out of you. She's just so in control of what she's saying with her delivery. I was so impressed by her. I thought that she was amazing. And after this, because we've heard it all now, we kind of really get a good understanding of what's been going on. Because I found like a lot way through this film, I was like, what is going on? And I think that's where probably the people that have know the games would understand it a lot more. And the ending, though, it does really bring it together after this. And we see the cult and Christabella and witness the real insanity behind it all. And we get to watch a build up to like a ritual where they want to kill Sharon because Sharon they've now found Sharon she was being kept by Dahlia of all people protecting her and Sybil's not dead but that doesn't you know that soon changes and she's kind of like trying to reason with everyone as to what they're doing but we get a real like mob mentality here and it's really a clear scene of what shows you how unbelievably brainwashed that this group is and I mean unfortunately this is something that we see today with certain groups that I won't go into. But the anger and the hate, it's just so far gone. And the chance of reasoning with these people is just like not going to happen. They don't listen. That's another thing. They don't ever listen. They just shout. And when Sybil tries to explain to them, like explain that Sharon, you know, is a child, all we hear Christabella do is keep shouting, obviously, burn her, burn her. And they do. They lower her down and she's tied up and stuff like that. It's a very unfair fight. But Rose 
does really kind of turn into this like amazing, almost final girl type thing when she goes to the church and she speaks to Christabella in front of everyone and she's saying it's a lie and she shouts everything that we want to say as an audience member and we want to hear everything she said and she's like how it's all gone so far and the beliefs are ridiculous and, you know, I'll give Christabella her dues. <laughs> she just starts back about burning her and Rose bikes back, burn me, that's your answer. Burn anything you're afraid of burn anything you can't control. And I think that nails it. And so Rose has gotten into this church, but within her, so maybe that's where the sass comes from. She's got Alyssa within her. Alyssa cannot get into this church because she's like, you know, the devil. And it's a way for her to get in if she takes over Rose's body. And uh, Christabella, she kind of changes her MO a bit here. She goes away from burning and she stabs Rose and this releases the devil. And the ending of this film, like the real ending, it surprised me that it was only a 15 because there's a there's a lot of content in here that I would put as an 18. Firstly, we have the sexual abuse of a child and then the sacrifice of a child and this murderous cult and the murder of Anna and the final scene in the church. I mean, they're all really gory and extremely violent. And while, you know, a lot of these people are getting what they deserve and you don't have any... Uh, sympathy for them it is really it, it really does take it up a notch here but kind of where they really get what they deserve is Elisa older Elisa when she comes up through the floor so she's in her bed and the way she did the floor just opens and she just comes up and she's got all these barbed wires just flying out of her I mean this is brilliant as she's just in her bed but she can control them with her mind and this is her weapon. And she starts to get all those people that didn't know. None of these ever helped her as a child. They let terrible things happen to her. So there's no sympathy in that respect. And, you know, the deaths occur in the very place that was there to protect them. You know, at the end of the day, using your religion or your beliefs as an excuse to be a prick, it gets you in the end. And this is kind of a perfect example of that. And they're like ripped apart with this wire and it entangles them and they can't get out of it because obviously it's barbed wire and that's digging into you. So every movement is meant with extreme pain. But when they get Christabella, when Alyssa goes for Christabella, she takes that little bit longer here. She really draws this death out and she like puts her, puts her in this position that's very, you know, Jesus Christ on a crucifix, but meets being quartered. But the barbed wire just splits her in two, splits her down the middle. And after this massacre, we see Rose and Sharon are now just in the light. It just kind of switches. And Rose is like, keep your eyes shut, Sharon. Keep your eyes shut. But she doesn't. And they are simply leaving and driving off in the car. And you think, great, we, we got an end in here. You know, everything's going okay we believed that they have escaped as they get in the car and they drive and they drive over the crater that the road is back and the weather is still looking the same, but we see Christopher at home and the sun's blazing and they drive up to the home and there's still that great atmosphere. So they've actually never left this world. And it would appear that Sharon is now a combination of Sharon and Elisa so I guess I would need to watch the second one to see what happens as to why they are still in this dimension. Um, I've seen a few theories, but I would need to see for myself 
in the next movie to see what happens. I haven't seen it yet. But overall, this is this is a really good film. You have to be in the mood for watching it. And there's a lot going on. And there's a it's, it's a lot to take in and to try and understand. And if you don't know the games, like I said, it's really difficult. Um, but I would watch it again. I would watch it again. And yeah, I'd recommend watching it. And I, I am going to go and watch the second one because I'd be interested to see. And obviously, I, if they do the, the new one, I want to see that too. And I think there's another one, isn't there? I think there's another one. Um, anyway, and that is my little take on Silent Hill. The confusion that is Silent Hill. And again, I'd like to say thanks for listening. And don't forget to rate and review on iTunes and Podchaser. And if you want more on the behind the scenes, you can follow me on Instagram as Once Upon a Nightmare Podcast, on Twitter as a Nightmare Pod, on Facebook as Once Upon a Nightmare. You can email me as Once Upon a Nightmare Pod at gmail.com. And I'm on Buy Me a Coffee as a Nightmare Pod. And yeah, thanks for listening. And I'll be back again very soon with another episode. Bye.